KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning. I'm Matt Hoffman in for Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, September 1st. San Diego County may not be immune to the drought. More on that next, but first, let's get to the headlines. Yesterday, state lawmakers approved the CARE Court plan proposed by Governor Gavin Newsom. The new civil court system would allow a county judge to evaluate people suffering from addiction and severe mental illness and potentially order treatment and even housing for them. Supporters see it as an alternative to the broken system that just cycles people through jails, hospitals, and then back onto the streets. Civil and disability rights groups have argued CARE Court would violate civil rights and criminalize homelessness. As this week of excessive heat is continuing, Cal ISO called for another flex alert today. The agency is asking for voluntary energy conservation from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. tonight. Ways you can reduce energy include raising your thermostat temperature to 78 degrees, not using things like dishwashers, washers or dryers, or even electric car chargers, and of course, turning off lights. San Diegans are getting the clearest picture yet of which neighborhoods are most impacted by incarceration. New data from the 2020 census compiled by the Prison Policy Initiative shows which areas of California send the most people to state prisons. Our media partner iNewsource reports that residents in Barrio Logan, Southeast San Diego, and Encanto are twice as likely to be in prison than the average Californian. Advocacy groups say the data highlights disparities faced by African Americans and Latinos within the criminal justice system. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Local water managers say San Diego County is mostly protected from the drought that's squeezing water supplies in California and throughout the western United States. But KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says the region is not immune to the mega drought that's punishing the West. San Diego County's Olivenhain Reservoir is an anomaly in the West. The man-made lake is pretty much full. The reservoir is a 24,000 acre-foot reservoir. Uh, that provides water to the to our aqueduct. Nadir Beg says that's a year's worth of water for about 60,000 families. He's an operator here moving water in and out of the reservoir located near Escondido. This lake was built to help the region cope if imported water gets cut off. San Diego County Water Authority officials say the emergency water is just one tool they've developed over three decades to keep local water taps running. We are secure, but we still need to do our part because these hotter, drier conditions are our foreseeable future. The authorities, Kelly Rogers, says raising the San Vicente Dam, building the Carlsbad desalination plant, and water rights deals with the Imperial Irrigation District all play a role. 
Rogers says the projects are expensive but vital. It's like your retirement when you're younger. You're like, oh gosh, I may never need that. But when, you, when you're retired, you're like, wow, all of the investments are paying off. But San Diego isn't completely insulated from a climate change driven drought that is strangling water flows in the Colorado River Basin. The Bureau of Reclamation's commissioner says all of the West's main water sources are suffering. Camille Klimlin-Toon painted the situation in stark terms during a Senate committee hearing in July. Hydrologic variability, hotter temperatures leading to earlier snowmelt, dry soils, all translating into earlier and low runoff. This is coupled, as the committee has mentioned, with the lowest reservoir records on record. The Bureau has twice called for Colorado River users to cut back the amount of water they take, and Toon told lawmakers more drastic cuts are needed. Between two and four million acre-feet of additional conservation is needed just to protect critical levels in 2023. The critical levels she's talking about are water levels in Lake Powell and Lake Mead, the West's largest reservoirs fed by the Colorado River. The Pacific Institute's Michael Cohen says both have been shrinking at unprecedented rates. Already 23 years of drought, we've lost about 170 feet of elevation at Lake Mead. And the forecasts are projecting that Lake Mead could drop even another 50 feet in the next two years. That could put the system dangerously close to a condition that water managers call Deadpool. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's not good. No, no, no. No, not the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Deadpool happens when the lake's level drops below the valves which send water downriver to Arizona and California. Lake Mead is just 150 feet away from Deadpool. If that happens, San Diego could lose half its drinking water. Cohen says the water rights the authority bought from the Imperial Valley would be worthless. There's a chance that if uh, the different Colorado River water users can't come to an agreement, current rules will continue to apply and that Lake Mead will continue to be drawn down creating the crisis really that we're seeing right now because people see this coming. And while water managers may see the crisis coming, it's still hard to cut back. Cohen says California will probably end this year using more than its share of Colorado River water. And most of that overuse is actually not coming from the irrigation district. It's coming from Metropolitan Water District. And that's, of course, because California itself is in a massive drought. Metropolitan is the region's largest water wholesaler, serving Los Angeles and many surrounding water districts. The consequences of taking too much water now could be dire. Federal officials are giving water users a chance to determine where cuts will happen. If they can't, the federal government promises to make that decision for them. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Migrant deaths from exposure have long been a fact of life in Imperial County, but recent data shows deaths are on the rise. iNewsource reporter Sofia Mejias-Pasco explains. Footprints in the gravel, a discarded water bottle. To James Cordero, the signs of migrant travel in the desert are unmistakable. It's how he decides where to stash water jugs, a lifeline to those crossing into the U.S. through the desert between ports of entry. As temperatures tick up, so do demand for supplies. This area that we're on, we used to have to come every month. We couldn't stock it fast enough. But the supplies don't always find those who need them. At least 50 migrants died in Imperial County while attempting to cross the desert between 2018 and 2020. 
the latest available data from Border Patrol. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Sofia Mejias-Pasco. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Fences have closed off Harborside Park in Chula Vista. Bulldozers moved in yesterday, part of a city effort to clear out a homeless encampment. KPBS reporter M.G. Perez was there. Chula Vista city workers moved in to demolish tents and clear trash left behind in Harborside Park following reports of criminal activity and public health risks. The city council voted to close the park for at least 90 days, displacing dozens of homeless people. Harborside Elementary School is nearby, where Veronica Ripplinger's four-year-old granddaughter, Annabelle, just started transitional kindergarten. I agree there's a homeless problem, and I think we need to address it, but they shouldn't be living in a public park where other people want to go or spend time, and we can't go there. The city could extend the park's closure longer as officials try to figure out the best way to make the space safer and available to everyone. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Coming up, San Diego County is moving forward with its climate action plan. We'll have that story and more coming up next just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego County supervisors are pushing forward with their climate-friendly plan to reshape life in the area. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says major changes are coming. Supervisors are looking to cut back on things that contribute to a warming climate, and that could dramatically change life in the county. San Diego 350's Steve Gelb says it means decarbonizing power, transportation, and agriculture. I think we're looking at a healthier and really more enjoyable way of life for San Diego. The framework calls for more electric vehicles and electrifying buildings, including people's homes. Vista City Council member Karina Contreras says people will also have to change the way they get around. We need to seriously invest in active transportation programs like cycling, walking, and taking public transit. California is mandating all counties get to net zero carbon emissions by 2045. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
The second annual AfroCon takes place this weekend at the Jackie Robinson Family YMCA. The convention will focus on Afrofuturism, which organizers describe as a movement in literature, music, art, and film featuring futuristic or science fiction themes that incorporate elements of Black history and culture. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with founder Lawana Richmond and filmmaker Demaraye Denirian. Here's that conversation. Luana, AfroCon is short for Afrofuturism Consciousness Convention. So what can people expect from this convention this weekend? Oh, well, you know, they can expect to have fun. There'll be like comic book and cultural artifacts and like fun things in the exhibit hall. And then they can also expect to, you know, engage in discourse around critical topics that are relevant to just improving society. And then also they can expect to connect with industry opportunities in terms of meeting other people who have shared interests that they could potentially collaborate with and continue the process of creation. And this is going to be your second AfroCon. So was there anything you learned from the first one in terms of what you wanted to change or what you wanted to add or anything that you wanted to do this year? Well, I wanted to add um, film and fashion as elements just because I thought they would be fun. And then in terms of changing, for people who know me, I'm learning how to not try to do everything myself. So, Luana, you brought up film. And this year you're going to be showing a movie, Oja Noma. Once upon a time, long ago, in the 54 United Kingdoms of Tamaray, lived King Ofasa and his beautiful wife. Queen Akinti of the Naturu Kingdom. And we have the filmmaker here to talk about it. So Demaraye, please tell us what the film's about. So this one um, is the first one I've done of this kind, which is fantasy. It's something familiar, meaning, you know, there's nothing really new under the sun. It's just the way we mix up the ingredients. So it's, it's very um, familiar because it touches on other fantasy movies like uh, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. So there's magic in there. There's also um, music because I, I grew up loving musicals and I used to watch, um, I watched like The Sound of Music like um, so many times as a boy. I miss musicals. So I put um, a musical element into it as well. And Luana, in addition to having the film, you also have a keynote speaker who is local artist Max Moses. So explain who he is and why you wanted him as a speaker. So in many ways, Max Moses is Afrofuturism. He's probably one of the most beautiful humans on the planet in terms of being able to communicate and express visually as well as in conversation. And I think having um, someone besides me talk to people about what Afrofuturism is and why it's important will be helpful overall. And I couldn't think of a better person to kick off with the message because he works with people of all generations and I believe that he's a communicator that can bridge a variety of gaps. And this is a question for both of you. Why do you think it's important to focus on Afrofuturism in art and on Afrofuturist thinking? Image. I think image, it, it, it projects a, a different type of image. One of the things is that seeing ourselves in the future, that's something that's always um, brought up. To me, art shapes society. It has a very important place in society in the way we think. I use movies in a way to talk to people because, you know, we have all our prejudices, our beliefs, our traumas. But when we sit down and watch a movie, our minds are open and we can we can hear what someone is saying. So I think like Afrofuturism, the image, it allows 
people to, to project themselves, basically, especially for the young. They can project themselves and see themselves in many different ways and be who they want to be. So for me, it's important because we live in a time where there's a lot of angst and consternation. People are looking back and shaking their head in disgust, and people are dealing with current events that are, I'll say, distasteful. <laughs> and, you know, all of that isn't going away, but I believe if we want something different, we have to start by actually being able to imagine something different. And I think that it's important in terms of creating neural pathways that support co-creation of better realities and engage people in understanding that they have agency in their life. And once they imagine something better, my hope is that then they'll take the steps to make that something better actually come into reality. That was Lawana Richmond and Demo Raye Denirian speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando. AfroCon kicks off with a party tomorrow night. The convention is set for Saturday and Sunday at the Jackie Robinson Family YMCA. To register for free tickets, go to afrocon.net. Lots of smiling and wagging tails in El Cajon yesterday as a flight carrying more than 100 rescued beagles arrived safely. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says these dogs will soon be ready for their forever homes. San Diego Humane Society staff and volunteers watch as precious cargo arrives at Gillespie Field. 108 rescue beagles. There's a lot of wagging <laughs> Their arrival was filled with happiness and excitement. President of the San Diego Humane Society, Dr. Gary Weitzman, unloaded the first pup off the plane. She's really excited. <laughs> she really is. And she deserves to be. And these are no ordinary rescues. They're the last batch of 4,000 beagles saved from a Virginia-based company that breeds and sells animals for use in scientific testing. Their rescue came after the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit. First time she's been out of a research lab, so this is really great news. They will immediately place them in foster homes, but they will need donations to support their care until they're well enough to go to forever homes. We're ecstatic to be able to help them get into backyards and living rooms and and a family that they love. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for being here with us. Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time.